Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. The first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. I'm your host, Nick Williams, and this week's show is brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and become a better southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to another week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. This week, we are doing the very crappy Christmas special. I uh, got two really good crappie anglers on here for you. First off, we got Eric Cagle, and then we're going to have Dick McMillan later on. But right now, we're talking with Eric, and he was just telling me uh, last time we talked, we were talking about how crappie were trying to, or kind of transitioning from structure to open water schooling up. Eric, you were telling me that they're they're pretty much on that open water schooling pattern right now. Yeah, man, we we've been uh, I think like you said last time we talked, you know, we were we were talking about the transition was coming, and you know, here in the last week is you know with this cooler weather that we've had, it happens every year when that water temperature gets in the fifties. The uh, a lot of these bigger bigger fish, females and males, they they'll leave the the structure and and kind of school out, chasing shad and feeding up. Uh, and, and you know it's a lot of fun when that happens because you can you can find you know bigger schools of fish and and kind of chase them around and and uh you know we cast to them uh, we cast jigs through the school and, and get the active fish but, but that's happening now it's been happening for the last week or two and uh that's exactly what's going on right now you're, you're still you, you can still catch some fish on brush uh a lot of the smaller fish are staying on brush and if you find, you know, if you find these these open water schools, then that's your your more mature fish. That's your bigger fish right now. And uh, like I said, the last week and a half, two weeks, we, we've caught a lot of, of good fish in, in open water that are that are schooling, and that's it's, it's happening right now. And, and like I said, you know, we we talked about that last last time I spoke with you, and and it's it's coming true. It's it's happening as we speak. So that's what that's what's going on up, up here on the on the Tallapoosa River and and the Coosa the Coosa River too um the Coosa is a little a little behind just a maybe a week behind the, the Tallapoosa right now but I mean it's it's happening on the Coosa as well tell me a little bit you talk about the Coosa being a little bit behind and and we may have talked about this in the past I know both the Coosa and the Tallapoosa start as kind of like you know high gradient mountain streams up in the Appalachians so they're similar in a sense. I know there's a lot less development on the Tallapoosa. You talk about Coosa being a little bit behind. Is there any other big differences? Like, do you see a difference in like the size of the fish on Coosa Lakes versus Tallapoosa Lakes or anything like that? Yeah, the the Tallapoosa system's a lot cleaner water. Coosa's dirtier water produces bigger fish. Tallapoosa River's cleaner water doesn't produce as big. And, and I'm speaking of crappie now. I mean. There's big, big stripe in Lake Martin, you know, Coosa on the Tallapoosa. But as far as, you know, crappy fishing goes, the Coosa River's got, got bigger fish in it than, than the Tallapoosa does. And, I, I you know, it it varies. It really varies every year. I think the, the water clarity of the Coosa, you know, doesn't let that sun penetrate as much. So, you know, it takes a little bit longer for it to, to, to heat up every year. So I, I think that's a reason why sometimes it's a week or two behind the 
the Tallapoosa, and, and I've seen it where where it's it's, it's opposite. But uh, but this year it seems like it's about a week or so behind the, the Tallapoosa. You know, Lake Jordan is the the lake that I'm referring to on the Coosa because it's it's close to me. So I've actually had a chance to go over there and do a little fishing the last couple of weeks. So, but yes, yeah, it seems to be a week or so behind. And they're like I said, they're starting to school up there too. They they just left a little later than than these fish on the Tallapoosa. But uh, that that's the major difference is the the water clarity and you know, the like I said, the Tallapoosa is a little cleaner than the Coosa River here. It's it's definitely a difference that you can see, and I've I've spent some more time this year on the Coosa and, and the Tallapoosa, and uh, you know, it, it's definitely driving up the Tallapoosa, looking for places to fish the river. Right, if you want to get off the lake system, what's the lake up on the north end? Is that Lake Wise? Is that a ta- is that the Tallapoosa Lake on the north end? And then down below, you got Martin. Am I getting that right? Yeah, well, I mean, Martin Martin goes in, into the actual river system that runs up. That river system runs up through uh, Jaybird Creek and all that's on the on the very upper end of the river system where the shoals are on Lake Martin. And, I mean, it, that thing runs on up through uh, Horseshoe Bend and all that. Yeah. It, you know, it, it, it really turns into a, a main, just a pretty much a river system up through there. It, it goes a long way, and I'm actually, I'm Googling yeah. to make sure that I'm right here, if it's Weiss that I was on. I know there's one other lake up there when you get to Alabama, fed by the Coosa, Chattooga, and Little Rivers. Okay, so I'm wrong. Anyway, I know that once I once I got up north of Lake Martin, where you were talking about Jaybird and everything, we fished some on the shoals. Um, but I, I followed the Tallapoosa River up a long way, and there's just not yeah. that much access. There's no towns on it, really. No. You know, the, the places I was finding to fish at the kayak launches were the type places where you were uh, – yeah, kind of, kind of wanted to check your truck, make sure you had your windows locked and no valuables left out where yeah. people could see them. We, so. we used to go up and, and put kayaks in a long horseshoe bend a long, long time ago, and uh, you know, float down through there and and brim fish and bass fish and you know, a lot of that stuff's uninhabited up through there. Like you're talking about, it's very isolated and uh, just just a you know a pretty place, just natural. You know how how it used to be. It's still natural there before they. Before they laid, you know, made Lake Martin down through there, you know, it was kind of all that way, all the way down. But of course, they, you know, they they made Lake Martin when they did, and 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 turned it into a lake. But yeah, further further up north there, that 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 place is still, you know, natural. Uh, and and like I said, there's a lot of shoals and and rock, you know, a lot of rock, big rock up through there. So it's a pretty it's a pretty place up that river. It was very pretty. We did we did the the trip from Horseshoe Bend to Jaybird fly fishing and you know like the shoals there's enough current that you can't really sight fish you know you're just kind of casting and drifting and i I tell you what in them shoals my poor canoe i put 20 years worth of wear on that canoe Uh, (laughs) compared to what i put on them down here in the in the swamp mud you know we just don't have stuff like that that poor canoe just got got the beating of a lifetime uh going down that river but in the pools like it was really cool i mean you could see probably you know 10 feet you know you were you were just sitting there sight casting to fish yeah. um, in an open river system so yeah that definitely contributes like you said to the the sediment level i want to pivot a little bit and, and talk a little bit i know we got christmas coming up yeah. i know a lot of people have already done their christmas shopping and i know there's going to be some people every year it seems like i end up with a gift from from bass pro shops or academy sports or somewhere right i got i got people who uh 
have, have finally learned after years and years that Nick's kind of picky about his fishing gear and uh <laughs> they they do me right and they let me buy it themselves so i know you know there's going to be some anglers looking to buy some rods kind of get ready for next year as it starts starts to warm up i know more people get out there even though the fishing is is great when it's cold too most people what i observe here on my at my house here on on the river is that really the traffic picks up february march but uh if if people are looking to buy a crappie rod um, I imagine you've probably tried most of them out there on the market and, and got your preferences. What are your thoughts on, on crappie rods just in general? Cause I'm, I'm actually looking to buy some myself this year and kind of looking for some pointers there. Well, man, you know, uh, that, that depends on, you know, what kind of fishing you're doing. Of course. I mean, I, we, we cast here a six and a seven foot rod, you know, 99% of the time. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll talk about, you know, casting rod first. I'm a, I'm a medium light action guy. I like a medium light action rod and you know, the, the medium light gives you a, a good tip action. That's what the light, the light for your tip there. Yeah, I like, a, I like a lot of tip on a rod, but you know, everybody's different. You know, these guys, I mean, there's a ton of good rod companies out there. I could name, you know, 10 of them, but the fact is, you know, you can, you can catch a, just as many fish on a, on a uh, Shakespeare rod from Walmart as you can any of them. Okay, I'm I'm not I'm I'm gonna throw that out there. However, if if you're wanting to spend a little money and 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 get a you know a high quality rod, which which I do recommend because you know this time of the year, you and I talked about this before, but a lot crappie don't don't necessarily just you know thump the you know feel the thump as you hear all the time. They don't necessarily you know thump your line every time they bite, and we've we've found that out you know a lot more here in the last four or five years since four sonar's been out a lot of these fish you know hit and you never really feel them i mean you you can see them come up and hit and and i think a lot of times you know in the past we've missed a lot of fish that that hit our jeep that we never felt but um you know a, high, a higher quality blank it gives you a little more feel to feel those light bites on these fish and I believe that with all my heart. I mean, I I, I learned that a long time ago. But I, I'm a I'm a, you know, I spend a little money on a rod. I mean, I, I don't, you know, like you and I talked about this before the show. But you know, a thirty dollar rod is a thirty dollar rod, and you can catch you can catch fish on it. Yes, no, no doubt. You know, I'm a I'm a, a higher quality. You know, I, I like those G Loomis blanks. I like I like the higher quality blanks. I think you get a better feel with them everybody's different as far as holding a rod you know the thing i look for in a casting rod is when you hold the rod does it feel heavy does it feel top heavy is it balanced you know a balanced rod is is the most important thing because you know if you sit there and hold that rod in your hand and it's balanced it feels really really light uh no no matter what size reel you have on the rod if if that rod is well balanced then you feel like you're holding a feather i mean it feels really light and that gives you more sensitivity and, and action also when that rod is balanced in your hand. So everybody being different, that's what you got to do. You got to go out there and actually pick those rods up and fill up them. Uh, and, you know, Bass Pro Shops and Academy and all those guys sell some higher quality rods. You know, you need to go put them in your hand. And, uh, you know, if you want, I know that's hard to do if you're trying to buy one for somebody. But uh, if you really want them to get a rod that fits them, you know, I think a, a, a gift card would be better at, at, at one of those stores. To, that way they can take that card and go in there and actually put the rod in their hand and, and see which one fits them best. But, 
you know, it's, it's, it's like they say, man, you, you get what you pay for. And, you know, in, in the rod business, it's no different. Uh, the higher quality blank, you know, the, the more expensive they are. So, you know, I would say, you know, get the, the rod that you can afford, you know, but, but don't get a 30, you know, don't, don't get a $30. I mean, get, get something a little more expensive if you can afford it. And I think, you know, I think you'll see a difference on the water with that. Uh, it sounds like your preferences kind of mirror mine and your thoughts on rods. I've told people before, like the difference from jumping, you know, from a $30 rod to say $80 rod. Uh, most people can really feel that difference and that's a big jump. And, and then it's kind of been my experience, you know, you jump from an $80 rod to say a $200 rod and you get to the point where at least somebody like me, that's, you know, you've spent a lot of money and you kind of start to get some diminishing returns unless it's somebody, you know, like yourself, who you're using them all day, every day, you know, I think balance is definitely important and a light action sensitive tips. What you said about not always feeling the thump on crappie, that's something I've run into. Like, like a lot of times, uh, especially if you're casting and retrieving for them, like a lot, a lot of times all that you notice is the line veers off one way, you know, on the retrieve. I've, I've seen that happen where I saw the line tick or, or it just felt like you'd reeled through, you know, maybe a little patch of vegetation hung up underwater for a second. Yep. And it's definitely, once I got a better blank, more sensitive blank, I started picking up on more crappie bites. Tell me a little bit. I know we've been talking in the show about how right now crappie are in open water and we're talking about casting and casting rods. What about jigging rods? What changes if you're if you're buying a jigging rod as opposed to a casting rod? And then for for the listeners who aren't familiar really with with the differences kind of kind of walk me through that you know uh, a jigging rod you know there's a lot of similarities in, in you know how it feels to you just like a casting rod balance is important you know you don't want a rod that, that you know feels top heavy and you're you're fighting to, to keep the tip of it up all day i mean i i think the lighter the better but but you know having said that you know a lot of the light light rods are, are not very stiff you know they don't have any backbone to them so I think the key to a jigging rod is the lighter, the better, but it also has to have backbone. You know, tip on a jigging rod, yeah, you need a little play in the tip, but it's not not quite as important as the rod being light where, you know, you're talking about a 10. You know, a lot of times, you know, we're using a 16-foot rod now, 16 and 18-foot rod, especially over in Mississippi. You know, so on those longer rods, you know, that thing can't weigh four pounds. I mean, you know, you, you got the, you got to have some lightness about it and it's got to, got to have some backbone to it. So that, uh, you know, just like we said about a casting rod, it's got to feel comfortable in your hand. And, uh, and, and that's, you know, there, there are a ton of jigging rods on the market now. B&M's got a few new ones out. I didn't like their old ones. Uh, they got, you know, one called a black diamond out this, that's a really good rod now. It's light. And it's got plenty of backbone and a good little tip. Uh, a lot of these companies are making good rods. Of course, Huckabee, Todd Huckabee rod, they make a good one. Dobbins rods has got a 14-footer that, that's as light. That's that's my preference. I, I use a Dobbins jigging rod when I use a long rod right now. Uh, they got a 14-footer footer that old Josh Jones designed. It's, it's light as a feather, and, and it's got plenty of backbone. ACC makes a, 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 a lot of good jigging rods. They're, they have a light rod that's very sensitive and, and, and good backbone. So, you know, there's a lot of good ones out there, man. It's just, you know, like I said, I go, I've gone back to this three times now, but, 
it's uh it's really per individual what feels better in their hand but uh you, you definitely want something that's light and that's got enough backbone when you set the hook if you're if you're jigging brush or something you know you got to have enough backbone to pull that fish out of there when you set the hook on him absolutely and uh yeah definitely when you start getting in those really long rods right like it was different for me when i started picking up a few long rods because i was always used to fishing you know the old typical like seven foot bass rod and the difference between a heavy one and a light one or an expensive one and a cheap one i mean you definitely feel it but but once you start getting out there past 12 foot it's a lot harder to get something that that balances well uh, especially a lot of those crappie jigging reels are just so small and so light you know like it, it's hard not to end up with something that's real real tip heavy yeah that's that's right and, and like i said when you you know when you get out there fishing you know for four five six seven eight hours that's when it really comes into play if you don't have a a lighter rod and, and, and one that's balanced i mean you'll you'll wear yourself out you know if, if, if you got just the old broomstick out there you'll 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 wear that arm out trying to fish all day, you know. I think I think that's definitely the time that you spend with a rod should should impact how much you spend on it because any, you know, you can fish with any rod for an hour or two here and there on the weekends. Uh, but if you're going to go out all day, like I, I can testify when I started getting more serious about fishing after I bought my boat and uh, started taking my wife and we started going out at sunrise and staying until sunset, it's a, <laughs> it's a real big difference. You wouldn't think it, you know. Like I've made fun of people in the past who who were like yeah i don't know man your rods are just you know they're just kind of heavy kind of cheap it was like yeah whatever they catch fish and then you uh you've got one in your hand for eight hours and it starts to get a little bit heavier <laughs> so uh and and i always tell people a, a good rod for what it is if you ever watch a video on how they they roll blanks and you know the, the way that they finish a rod tie on the guides make sure that the spines index correctly and the guides are set correctly like pretty cheap uh, it's pretty amazing what we can buy those for and if you take care of one it'll last you know it's not like a boat where you got to keep putting gas in it and do maintenance on it it's not you know not you'll you'll have that rod unless you slam the the tip in a car door you know that's right and no reason it shouldn't last you for the rest of your life so there's no real reason to go cheap on one so no i agree i agree with that absolutely well eric i always enjoy having you on the show I always appreciate your input if folks are looking to book a trip up there with you sometime, what's a good way to get a hold of you? Man, as as always, we I post uh, I post our trip pictures every day on my Facebook page, and it's just Eric Cagle, uh, E R I C C A G L E. They can go on there and, and, and see our catches every day. My cell number is three three four five five eight four zero nine seven. They're welcome to call or send me a text, and I'd love to love to have them. Absolutely, guys. If y'all looking for a crappie guide up on the Coosa Talapusa River, y'all be sure to go check Eric out. And Eric, hope y'all have a Merry Christmas. Y'all too, man. Thank you for having me. Alrighty, guys. That was Eric Cagle reporting from the Coosa and Talapusa Rivers. When we get back, we're going to talk with Dip McMillan down on the Mobile Tensaw Delta. But first, let's take a quick break and hear from some of this week's sponsors. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by Fish Bites. Whether you're hitting the sand with set rigs, using traditional scent strips for pompano, or fishing the flats and marshes for speckled trout, redfish, and flounder, Fish Bites has something for you. Family-owned and operated in St. Augustine, Florida, they pride themselves on making reliably consistent fishing products for anglers of all ages all around the world. Fish Bites baits and lures are made with pride in the Sunshine State here in USA. Check out the full line of scented saltwater and freshwater baits at fishbites.com. 
also brought to you by Killer Doc. I hadn't even realized how bad it was. I was cleaning fish on rotten wood, and after cleaning just a few fish, I was filthy, and I had a sudden burn. I tried wearing a hat, but it just couldn't keep me cool. And how was I supposed to clean fish without getting messy? Killer Dock brings the upgrade that not only will keep you cool and clean, it'll make being on your dock more enjoyable. Killer Dock combines durability, function, and design to uniquely upgrade your entire dock experience. Visit KillerDock.com to check out the greatest fish cleaning stations known to mankind. Alrighty, guys, welcome back. We got our second guest this evening, Dip McMillan. Dip, how you doing tonight, sir? Doing pretty good, Nick. How about you, buddy? Man, I'm ready for Christmas. I'm uh, I'm getting fired up about it. This will be the first Christmas in my little family that we got little kids. I got my daughter, and then I got a niece and a nephew that are all fresh and new this year. Going to be their first year doing the Santa Claus thing, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it, man. Kids kids make everything better. They do, man. That's a blessing, buddy. That's it. They make everything better except your sleep schedule, and they kind of. I just, we were just ain't gonna talk about that right now. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, well, we was just talking with Eric, and he was talking about how, you know, the crappie up on the Tallapoosa had kind of transitioned over to big schools and open water. He said that the ones on the Coosa River were kind of running a little bit behind them. Uh, down here in the Delta, where where are they holding? Are they holding on structure still, or have they moved to open water, or are they somewhere in between? I'm just like Eric Cable, man. Um, some of these fish down here, just a few of them are still on structure, but majority of um has gone to the um open water schooling up big time. This past weekend, man, it was unbelievable in certain areas. These fish was and then now finally I got the live scope back working. I got an um a different transducer and you can see these fish coming out the mud, man. Just unbelievable coming up there and just attacking your jig. So um, they are definitely in the transition mode, going to open water and schooling up on shad big time. Do you, do you fish for them? I know me and Eric were talking about casting for them. Do you cast or do you spider rig or do you drift for them? I know there's there's different ways to tackle that. Oh yeah, different methods. And um, last Friday, man, I was um I was spider rigging for them with the live scope, and we ended up with 28 good fish. But Nick, man, I told my buddy, I mean, we're doing it wrong. We had to work for those fish spider rigging. But I think if we were single poling these fish, I think we would have did a lot better. So I went back Saturday, and, man, let me tell you, it was just an unbelievable bite. Um, I was pitching a, um Orchid Bay in a, um ATX Old Smokey to a man with a pink jig head. And let me tell you, it was in that open water, man, and these fish was attacking it. So you can spider rig this time of the year in open water, and it's fun, but – since live scope work and everybody using live scope, I mean, that's the way to go. Um, just single polling or you can cast to them. I cast a few the other day too. So either way is, is a good method. I guess I've never really thought about that. I know everybody in the past, you always see guys out there with the big spider rigs, right? Rods off the front of the boat, back of the boat. And it was the more rods, the better. And, uh, you know, two, two dudes each had their rack, everybody sitting there kind of shuffling poles yep. and, uh, and I guess you're right. Like, like the the thought behind that was always, you know, the more rods you had in the water, the more the more things you could try. You could try different depths. You know, you could try different colors. You could just see what worked and switch over to it. But I guess that's not something I've really thought about. Is is how live scope, I guess, has kind of made that now not not necessarily obsolete, but but I guess close to it for the people who have it on their boat because you just have more information about what's going on down there. So you don't need to hedge your bets, so to speak. Putting multiple yeah, rods out. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You know what the yeah. fish are doing. You can see the fish active. You can see what depth they in. So that'll 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 knock down your thought process on how many rods you need to have out and what depth. Because you spider rigging, spider rigging like I used to do, I would have my depth at certain six to eight to nine foot all across my um eight rods. Now with uh, with live scope, I mean you can tell what depth the fish in. You can put all poles at that same depth. So and with spider with with live scope, I mean like like you just said, I mean you can um just use one pole you and your partner. And attack those fish all day long and covered a lot of water just with one pole. You ain't worried about no getting hang ups and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. I'll I'll be curious now because I, I remember. I mean, spider rigs have always been a thing, spider rigging. But it, it seems to me like I don't know five six years ago is when I started noticing that you would you know come around the corner on a lake and you'd see four or five guys fishing and they'd all be spider rigging, you know, like that seemed like that got real popular there for a little bit, just like I remember when kayaks exploded and and they went from being something that was kind of unusual to see to, you know, now you, you go out in some places, you see kayakers just as much as you do power boaters, you know, especially like me up here on, on Tensaw Lake, Launch Night of Rice Creek and all that, right? You're going to see some guys uh-huh. if, if you're up there down around Larry Island going out to check out the mounds and stuff so it's interesting to see how trends kind of come and go over the years i'm trying to trying to think let me see so i know last time we talked about the water levels and the water levels are still blowing my mind right now i can't remember the last time we've had water this low this late in the year oh um, man it's almost some days it's too dangerous to be honest with you too low or too low yeah i mean you get caught in certain creeks south of cliff landing you, you can get in trouble in there i mean it's a couple of ditches and a Lit gas line, son. It's, it can get dangerous this time of the year. I got caught in one the other day, man. I had to turn back around because I'm about to be in no man's land. So it's um like you said, that water falling out that fast, man. And don't get me wrong, I love a low tide. I mean, I think I can target fish a lot better on a low tide. I just love a falling tide. But here lately, man, I mean, the other day, Cliff Land was so low, man. It yet they almost just jump in the boat. I mean, it was oof, almost too dangerous to be honest with you. You know, now that you mentioned that, I guess it was about two weeks ago that I was out leaving out of Rice Creek. And I, I know Rice Creek real well. I mean, that's 15 minutes from my house. And even even way back before I had a power boat, I would run out there when I was in college and, and canoe it. So, you know, I, I'm fairly familiar with that little stretch of water. And when it gets low, it's one, it's difficult to pack a boat trailer in there. And two, there's a lot of log jams and, and the locals there kind of keep it cleaned up. But there's a lot of stuff under the surface, I'm sure you know. And uh, for the first time, I think ever, I managed coming out of there, it was real low. I was going to scout for ducks, and I got high-centered. And uh was going a little too fast for, for being in that creek, you know, felt a little bit too comfortable. And uh, just just slid right up on top of that log and, and took me about 10 minutes to get myself back off of it. So, yeah, I can imagine uh I've I've come back to the ramp before right there at Rice Creek and uh had to turn around and go back out and get a buddy to take my boat to another launch because there wasn't Man. enough water to back down. Yeah, it was after a storm come through, sucked all the water out. I forget which one it was, but it's been a couple years back. You know, a lot of times that, you know, it'll surge, but then sometimes it'll pull water back out as it leaves. Uh-huh. And that's what had happened. So, uh it's it's curious the way that works and i know with the water that low something people don't think about like you were talking about is is how far the tide impacts the fishing uh i won't get into details about the conversation but i was just recently listening to a guy 
talk talk about how you know the water in the delta flows downstream and and i was sitting there thinking i got pictures on my phone that that would beg to differ you know i've sat there at live oak landing and and taking pictures of the buoys pointing back up river just if you don't have a strong current and you got a strong tide it can switch the way that the river flows and uh It'll uh-huh. do the same thing up here. I know, you know, Tensaw Lake up here at Hubbard's, it'll go both ways. Some days it's still, yeah. there's no real current. Some days it's going hard downstream and, and some days it's going just as hard upstream. So no doubt you're right, buddy. Yes, definitely different. Well, we talked with Eric a little bit, kind of about Christmas presents. We talked a little bit about, you know, choosing a, a good rod, a casting rod, a jigging rod, kind of the difference between a high end rod and a low end rod kind of help people who, uh, you know, maybe finishing up some last minute Christmas shopping, or maybe they got them a gift card for Christmas at the company party or from the in-laws coming out of town or whatever. And something I figured I'd ask you, because I can't think of a better person to ask, is if folks are looking at getting kids into fishing, you know, uh, and that's been on my mind because I've I've got, you know, my daughter, a niece and a nephew. So that's something here in the next few years I'll have to start thinking about. I know you put together a lot of packages as part of Dippy Outdoors. Uh, part uh-huh. of the nonprofit that you run. What's some stuff to look for and avoid in those kids' combos? Are there any that are really substantially better than the others, you know, to keep from buying something that just ends up in the trash can next week? And then just, just what are some other general tips? What's some good starter lures and, and stuff to get kids out there and be successful and keep them engaged and get them introduced to the sport? Anybody that know me, um, when I give away fishing package around here for a fact, I go to Miss Botwell Bait and Tackle, man. And she can tell you, I love that 33 classic Zepco. I mean, I grew up with this fishing reel my whole life. And you, I'm talking about the old school one. I ain't not talking about that new titanium or platinum one. I'm talking about the old school 33 classic. The, um, those, those, those reels, man, you cannot beat. And for a, for a kid starting package to go fishing, I, and they can take all kind of bad treatments and steal. It's just like an old school Ruger 22 gun. You can drop it in the mud and come back the next day and shoot it, and it'll shoot fine. And it's just like that 33 classic Zepco. You can take a hard treatment with it, man, leave it out there in the weather, and it's still going to throw fine and real fine. And you can put that reel on any kind of rod. I love that to give away to kids, and I and I do in my kids' package. And she also have the, um, uh, or for the small kids, the 202s. Um, they they're good poles, just starting real. I try not to give too many kids the um, which I call them open face, the flip reels. I call them open face, the one you have to let their um, the spool open and hold the line and cast it. That's right. really a little bit too complicated sometimes to give to a youth to start out with. I like to start out with the thirty three push buttons or the two o twos, and you can go even with a four o four. But I like to start at least with the um, thirty three classic. Or the two o twos, and um, and on my lures, I I don't know if she sells them or not, but I do know it's a starter package at Walmart. I want to say ATX got Barrelit a combo starter package now that got several jigs in a um in a jig box, and I know Walmart sell that combo too. With they got cork corks and stuff in their jig box, they got corks hooks, and I want to say a stringer too to put the fish on, and that's that's I mean that's a good starting kit. It have everything in there you need to go go out there and catch a fish with. So all my packages, all my giveaway fishing packages have at least one of those or two of those combos in there with them. And we also give away um, some angle coolers and which Miss Botwell sell the angle coolers too. And they, um, I want to say called Fragile or Fragile um, Bait Bucket too. So, 
and that fragrance don't break the um, break the bank. That's a and that's a steal. That's a good bucket, a bait bucket to put your minerals and uh, stuff in. And um, and for the small kids, I mean, they you can get a little um, and she sells like the worm boxes and the cricket cages. I mean, you can add that to the collection. And several of my giveaways this past spring and summer have been the, the cricket cage and stuff like that too. So I just mix it in, but. Like I said, the starting package for a small kid I prefer is a Zepco 33 Classic and a um and a or two oh two or four oh four. And um them little jig boxes that co- already come with four or five different colored jigs and the weights and hooks. That's all come in um in that starter box. That's what I prefer. The Zepco thirty three classic refreshed my memory. That one is one of the models that has the bait clicker on it, isn't it? The bite indicator. Uh-huh. Those I tell you what, those are handy. I wish that's that's something I wish more reels come with. It seems like you find them mostly more in like your big like saltwater offshore reels and stuff like that. But man, bait clickers mighty mighty handy, especially if you got a kid who's kind of their interest comes and goes. You know, it's nice to be able to bait one up and toss it out there. Yeah, yeah, and both of you can listen for the clicker when when you're starting kids off. <clears throat> you mentioned those jigs. Do you usually start kids? And, and go straight to fishing with jigs or, or do you ease them into it i think the way myself and most people start is with live bait and i guess there's pros and cons to to both i've seen chaos erupt in a lot of boats and piers when the, the cricket cage gets knocked over is there is there one that works better than the other for you i'm like you man i like the live bait starting out with the kids especially if the kid is fishing ponds and something like that um not on like the stuff we got now with the technology. You know, if you're in a boat now, you can start a kid with jigs. But if you're in a pond or creek bank, definitely I, I prefer starting kids with crickets and worms. Now, you probably got to bait their hook for a few times, but please do it. Just keep them interested in it. But now, if you're on a boat or or with these new technologies now we've got, with the live scope and all this kind of uh, equipment, you can start them out with jigs if they have that um the opportunity to be on brush piles and stuff like that that we got now in the delta i mean you can start them out with jigs but on the creek banks and ponds and man please i'm like you give me give me a box of wigglers or a cricket cage and let them have fun at it that's it yeah it's a uh, it's definitely i'm looking forward to being able to take them out i've took some kids fishing in the past and, and it's always gratifying and to me what's the most refreshing is kids fish for fun and they don't take it seriously and I think that makes some real good fishing buddies because I've fished with a lot of people and hunted with a lot of people who took it way too seriously. And I've I've been guilty of that myself. I've spoiled a lot of a lot of mornings for myself by just taking it too seriously and getting upset if you don't catch anything and and you know sticking it out, getting up too early, staying out too late, hunting when it got too cold, too wet, right? Like staying out in the boat when the weather was too rough because you're trying to make something happen. And uh, I know I've watched people get frustrated taking kids because a kid may be gung-ho about it for five minutes and then he may lose all the interest and he may want to chase butterflies or chase the dogs mm-hmm. or, or get wet and uh i guess so what's your best tip on on kind of dealing with that kind of reconciling the adult mindset you know dad goes out there uncle goes out there and he's like oh we want to catch fish and the kid's mindset who he's really just out there to have a good time, you know, and, and he, my experience has been most kids, they don't care if they catch fish or not. They're just pumped that they're out there doing something with the big folks, you know. I agree. Me, if I take a, a small kid, I guess small four to maybe nine, nine, nine and a half, ten years old, make sure that kid has something on the boat or in the shooting house. Same thing we did this year. Make sure that kid has something on the boat 
besides a gun, if, if we're in a shooting house or on the boat, besides a rod and reel. I'm talking about a coloring book, a um, it's a girl, barber dolls, or laptop, iPad, something like that, because they are kids. Their mind is not going to be on that on that um, scenario, whether it's hunting, fishing, twenty four seven. So on their free time, they can color, you know, coloring book or um, play in the barber doll or on iPad. iPad work good. I, my little Ava, I mean, I get her iPad and hey, she's she's looking up slime videos and stuff like that. So you want to keep them interested. You just don't want to burn them out on fishing, 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 taking it serious because you don't want them to hate it. So they want to get off and play on their um on their toys and stuff. Just bring them with them. Just do not just get them overloaded that they got to catch a fish and they got to fish or hunt full time and they're going to hate it. I've seen that done with a couple of people, man, and now them kids don't hunt no more, don't have no interest in it. That's not the right thing to do. That's not how we teach them at Dippy Outdoors, man. We teach them to love it. Hey, we're going to have a good time regardless if we catch any fish or don't see any deer. We're still going to have a good time. So the youth is our future, and that's and that's what we strive at Dippy Outdoors. Absolutely, man. And, I, and I'm always happy to, to get on here and, and talk with you about kind of the mission that y'all have, helping to get kids introduced to the outdoors. Uh, if folks are listening in, if that's something that they're interested in and they'd like to make a donation or, or see how they can help you in some way, what's a good way to get in contact with you? Um, we got a Facebook page and uh, on the internet, dippyoutdoors.com or dippyoutdoors at Facebook. You can reach us at those two um, areas or my personal page, Dip McMillan. My phone number is on there on both pages. Easy to get in touch with me. Leave a message or you can call me or text me and I'll get back with you as soon as possible. Well, there we go, guys. Definitely, uh, if, if the future of fishing and, and if the mental health and well-being of young people matters to you as much as it does to, to me and Dip, I definitely encourage you to go ahead and give him some support. Dip, I always enjoy having you on the show. If I don't talk to you again before Christmas, man, you and yours have a Merry Christmas. Same as well, you, um, Nick, you too, man. You and your family and have an awesome Christmas, man. And God bless y'all, man. And, uh, hey, looking forward to being coon hunting with you soon, so just let me know. There we go. I'm definitely going to take you up on that. Sound like a plan, buddy. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by L&M Marine. L&M Marine has something for everyone, from small hunting boats to pontoon boats to bigger bay boat and offshore hybrids. L&M Marine LLC prides itself on its customer service and knows how important it is to be taken care of and to have someone you can trust. They are locally owned and regularly support the surrounding community. L&M Marine provides superior customer service and has an entire team that consists of professional sales members, finance experts, service technicians, and a knowledgeable parts and accessories staff to fully support you. Go visit their friendly, reliable, and experienced staff today. L&M Marine is located six miles north of I-10 at 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama. You can also reach them by phone at 251-937-1380. Also brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. If you own a pond or lake anywhere in the southeast, Southeastern Pond Management can evaluate the health of your pond and then work with you individually to put together the right plan to get what you want out of your body of water. Through electrofishing, liming, fertilizing, and stocking and weed control, Southeastern Pond Management is the one-stop shop to help you produce more healthy trophy fish than ever before. Schedule an obligation-free consultation today. Call one 888 
830-POND or email info at southeastpond.com. Well, folks, that wraps up this week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. If you'd like for us to email you the podcast, just text FISHING to 314-665-1767. Again, just text the word FISHING to 314-665-1767. Subscribe to our email list and we'll send you the new show each week. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by the East Tennessee Fishing Show and Expo's back this year, January 25th through the 28th at the Knoxville Expo Center on Clinton Highway. The East Tennessee Fishing Show is the largest fishing show in the South, and this year will be featuring more dealers, more vendors, and more exhibits than ever before, all under one roof. Whether you fish for bass, crappie, trout, or walleye, if you fish, you won't want to miss the latest fishing gear, equipment, and apparel. Come check out Custom Tackle, Lures, Rods, Reels, Electronics, and Guides January 25th through the 28th. Tickets are only $12 for adults and $8 for kids 6 and above. Kids 5 and younger can attend for free. Tickets are available online or at the door, and the parking is also free. Learn more at EastTennesseeFishingShow.com. Also by Dixie Supply and Baker Metal Works manufacture a variety of metal roofing systems to meet your needs. Whether you're putting a new roof on your home or sheeting a commercial building, they have you covered. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters. Also by BucksIsland.com. Bucks Island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs, as well as motor sales and service, and now they have a pro-level tackle store. Boat and motor trade-ins are welcome. Visit them online at BucksIsland.com or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And by Hilton's Real-Time Navigator, bringing you the highest quality online satellite fishing charts since 2004. Your source for sea temps, allometry, currents, and water color at hiltonsoffshore.com. Also by Mallard Bay. Book your next guided hunting or fishing trip with thoroughly vetted guides or charters. Plan trips, buy gear, go experience. Mallardbay.com.